Welcome. Welcome to a new episode of Evaledge, a podcast series by the European Evaluation Society that focuses on cutting-edge topics in evaluation. This podcast is part of a collaboration with the tech-enabled community practice of SAMIA, the South African Monitoring and Evaluation Association. My name is Marco Lorenzoni, and today I will be your host together with my colleague, Valentine Gandhi. Hi, everyone. Our podcast today will focus on the budding area of data storytelling in the monitoring, evaluation, research, and learning field. In our virtual studio for this discussion, we are delighted to have Asgar Vico and Benita Williams. Asgar is a SEMIA board member who has worked with the main impact-oriented organizations, currently the impact investment lead at E-Squared Investments in South Africa. Asgar is passionate about helping organizations unlock further opportunities to create impact through the use of monitoring and evaluation. Benita is a founding board member of SAMIA and also serves on the board of AFRIA, the African Evaluation Association. She has worked as an evaluator for about 20 years and her team works mostly on education programs or ICT for development programs in South Africa. Their professional path intersected through storytelling when Asgard attended Many years ago, a conference presentation of Benita on a storytelling tool linked to the logic model. Recently, they worked together on an evaluation for a corporate philanthropy foundation where storytelling was used as part of their methodology. And uh, for more information, please don't hesitate to click on the link that we publish on our website and uh, connect uh, with them. Welcome, Oscar. Welcome, Benita. And thanks for being with us. Thank you. Happy to be here. It's a pleasure to be here. Welcome again, Asgur and Benita. To kick us off with today's discussion, uh, we will uh, speak with Asgur and Benita, especially in exploring current lessons from Africa related to the use of storytelling as an innovation within the evaluation practice. So Asgur, if I could start with you, historically, stories have been used to spark uh, curiosity, promote learning. And how does this overlap with, within the field of uh, monitoring, evaluation, research, and learning? We know that learning is a primary function of measuring social impact. So could you walk us through from your experience, how does storytelling enhance learning, please? I think stories are great because they allow for complex information to be summarized and serve as a good reference point for learning. It allows the audience to better understand the subject's perspective and context and allows them to sort of look at it from their own perspective and understanding experiences as well. And this emotive engagement with, with data, uh, qualitative data, and I guess the experiences of others allows us to reflect and think deeper about the data or experiences of, of those, the impact story or stories being told about. Um, and this allows for deeper reflection and learning and potentially use of information. So that's how I think um, storytelling enhances learning in the, the monitoring and evaluation research and learning approach. I want to agree with Asgar. I think, um, you know, when I work with clients, I always try to get them to tell their stories. I mean, I think our job as evaluators is to encourage our clients to um, tell their stories of success and failure. And But it's not just about the stories. I'm usually try to push them to make sure that there's some form of action, right? So I'm very pleased if there is some form of action after we've helped them to tell their story. I think, you know, as evaluators, we are trained as social researchers and we 
understand something about how to collect data that ensures that the stories that we tell aren't just like made up works of fiction, right? Sometimes we also write stories almost like guides or recipe books to say this is how they did it, maybe consider, you know, applying some of those lessons. And I think also sometimes it requires us to be very brave and to tell stories of power imbalances, right? To speak truth to power. And, you know, that allows activists to do something with that, with that information. So it's not just about telling stories. Stories is a really important way to get messages across, but you want to have uh, action after that. I think some of the questions that we do need to ask is whose stories do we tell? We're evaluators, we train in social research, our clients pay us, we're very well versed in telling stories in the language that they understand, right? So whose stories do we tell? Who do we tell these stories to? What language do we use? And in which format do we tell these stories, right? So, you know, if you want evaluation, use the format in which you tell the story is quite important too. Thank you, Benito and Asgur, for that. And I, I think we at EvalH could not agree more that... Uh, this is this could be a way for evaluation or evaluators to be catalysts of change, especially with the with harnessing the power of storytelling. I do, however, have a question that uh, one of the critiques of storytelling from within Mel and even perhaps from research is, as a storytelling, it's an old art form, and how accurate and reliable it is, and how do we work with it or circumvent this critique and embrace the power of storytelling for what we want to achieve as evaluators. So I think um, I remember having a rather uncomfortable exchange with a corporate client many years ago. Um, my evaluation team produced an evidence-based critique of one of the flagship programs. I mean, they actually thought our evaluation would produce a nice story with photos that they could include in their annual report. Right, so it's also about managing expectations. Um, and I think we know that an anecdote is not necessarily evidence, okay? But with the right scale of anecdotes and with the right analysis techniques, anecdotes can be transformed into reliable data, right? Monitoring evaluation research and learning approaches that we apply allows us to move from individual stories to more cogent and coherent narratives but only if your client allows for that and has an appetite for that. Asgur, would you like to add, please? I've had the opposite experience. In my experience, I've found that quantitative data and personal experiences of program support in the organizations I've worked for provide interesting leads to understanding context or to uncover experiences that are important but otherwise go undocumented. It also provides improved utility, as I mentioned earlier, in terms of how to relate and use the findings. And it allows participation of, I guess, the evaluation or M&E users of, of data. Um, it allows them to participate with data because they can relate to what the data is saying based on how they've potentially delivered the program. And from the, I would say, end participant or recipient of, of program delivery, they are able to understand data that would normally be reported on outcomes from their own perspective and experiences. So instead of, you know, being a subject of a, a research report, they understand these sort of complex dynamics. And I guess the, the context behind um, some of the responses, which normally when you get survey data, you require a lot of probing to sort of go deeper to understand 
why certain trends exist and why it exists for certain demographics. Whereas within a story, um, you are able to perhaps read into it a bit more. And I guess this is also where perhaps this sort of combination of data sources allow you to understand the sort of personal experiences of, of individuals, as well as how that relates to perhaps a, a quantitative data set. And combining those two pieces of information and perhaps a sort of validating aspect of either those close to the, the participant or recipient of program program delivery are able to to verify whether or not those changes have actually occurred. Also, during my time at, at Chikalulu Social Investment, which is an intermediary organization, um, storytelling was used to assess the program needs as well as the program design of social investment strategies. Uh, during my time at Alan Gray Orbis Foundation, storytelling was actually used to design new programs. Um, we used the design thinking approach, and the design thinking approach was informed by data sources that came through our M&E routine monitoring, I should say. And this probe allowed us to probe deeper as to who are these demographics that we are working with? What are the experiences from those particular subsets of program recipients that we work with? And... I guess from an E-squared point of view, uh, which is actually an impact investor I'm currently working for, the sort of impact storytelling allows us to better understand the, the value that the businesses we work with and support and invest in are able to create. And for the entrepreneur who we support, they are better able to understand um, both their role as entrepreneur and contributors to society, but also why do people particularly buy their products? What difference are they making and allows them to dig deeper in terms of thinking about how their products could potentially be improved to create a more positive social impact. Thank you. Those are valid points. Uh, maybe since you brought up data, data does play a massive role in supporting storytelling. And uh, some have critiqued uh, how this role often is misinterpreted or could be misinterpreted and, 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 and have argued for data-informed rather than data-driven approaches. So perhaps, uh, Benita, if I may ask you, as someone who has experience in implementing both low-tech and high-tech approaches, would you walk us through some of the approaches in applying data and also does the reliance on data vary? Mm -hmm. I'm sure if you let me go on, I can talk about this for about an hour, but let's keep it short. Um, I think what Asgar mentioned about the monitoring data that they used as a starting point for, um, you know, trying to find the stories. I think going back to the question of data that you are talking about, Valentine, is that quantitative data and qualitative data can both tell stories, right? It's the job of the evaluator to verify, triangulate, look for patterns, outliers, and then to interpret that in context, right? So there's a specific time, there's a specific uh, place in which it was uh, collected, and then also to ensure that we use the data responsibly. Okay, especially with the possibilities that tech-enabled data collection allows for us. Um, the opportunities for data to be misused is, you know, it has increased substantially. I mean, it's not like we haven't had that with paper. I have a whole cabinet full of 22,000 marked uh, learner scripts, for example. And, it, you know, it requires us to also look at that very carefully. Um, and we do need to be uh, careful about data use um, and responsible data use in that case as well. But I think especially with tech enabled, it is um, important to 
pay attention to data use and, and, and ethics around that. But beyond, if we move beyond the data that informs our storytelling, I also think that it's important to recognize that there's storytelling required at every stage of the evaluation process. And I think Asgar referred to that. You need to think very carefully about how you collect the stories, right? The data that informs your stories, uh, how you analyze the stories, how you get the evaluation users to engage with the stories. These are all parts of making sure that we can rely on the, in the insights uh, that we glean from our stories. So it's their stories at every part of the evaluation cycle. I would agree with Benita's point. I would say that um, when collecting any, any information regarding a story, it's important to understand how that story unfolds and who within the subject's life can validate that the story or change has occurred. I also think that it's important to look at other data sources as well. So that could be program records, um, it could be reports as well as uh, survey responses, and that will also give you a sense of, of what might have happened in that impact story that one might be wanting to share, as well as speaking to those that are close to the program recipient. So they often have quite a good bit of tacit knowledge and experience that is sitting with their day-to-day -day engagement with program recipients. And I think it's it's that richness of, of, of experience and, and delivery understanding that brings a sort of rounded view as well to other sources that I've mentioned earlier. However, one concern of mine, I think, with regards to data validity is actually around the story itself. Stories, in, in stories that relate to program journeys and program impact are captured in a point in time. And sometimes they are shared uh, time and time again but the particular subject of that story may have grown older, have changed jobs or have graduated or have moved places and contexts. So I would say that stories are, are time-bound and, and context-bound. Um, it will be good to share something that has changed, but it's always good to understand the relevance of a story in a particular point in time. And by that I mean, for example, if you find that someone was a scholarship recipient when they were in high school, and they shared a particular story of what that uh, program meant for them at the point of graduation. Um, when you speak to that same individual in five to ten years' time, maybe it could be a trace study of sort, that same story might have some truth, but um, I'd almost want to say that they, it becomes re less relevant in their life unless they, they specifically say that you know, that change that occurred when I was in high school is still relevant to me today. So I would say that is my caution with the stories and, and impact storytelling would just be to to understand uh, the time the time uh, period in which it's told and the context of that which it's told so that one doesn't overuse a story uh, to keep on explaining impact. And I think this is especially important for program uh, delivery or NGOs sharing the impact stories with donors is just to make sure that you allow for, um, I guess, routine data collections on stories so that you don't overuse the stories that you may have come through an evaluation and that perhaps those stories that do come from the evaluation that might be dated are used as uh, reference points and learning so that 
your story remains dynamic and the the, the participant or the subject of, of the story is able to perhaps retell the story. And I think that's also another important story. If you were to ask the the subject of the, the story, how would they retell their own story? Would it sound the same as if in the sort of the way in which an evaluator may have crafted it? Um, because they may pick out other points that are they find more impactful or relevant to where they are right now. So I think that is key, is just to, to keep relevance, context and time uh, in mind when sharing stories and when using stories in, in communi- communicating impact and program learning. Well, very interesting points. And uh, uh, thanks for these reflections. It's, uh, it's about triangulation. It's about uh, the need for verification for the identification of patterns, outliers, but also um, how Benita uh, pointed out how you collect stories and uh, how Asgar uh, concluded about uh, the validity which goes into the time span of a story and its impact on, uh, on validity indeed. Uh, an excited initiative by the SAMIA this year is the start of the tech-enabled monitoring, evaluation, research and learning community of practice in conjunction with uh, Jerusha Govender from Data Innovator, and uh, she was our guest in a recent episode of the podcast series. Um, Asgar, you are the board representative of SAMIA overseeing this, this uh, new initiative of uh, the association. What are you most excited about and what do you think practitioners in and outside SAMIA can look forward to? So Miltech has been a constant theme across SAMIA conferences in, since 2017. It's become very popular with our membership base and there's a lot of excitement and energy that has come from from this in terms of taking I guess the discussions and and presentations from our conferences moving forward so we are looking to set up a thematic area focused on Maltech and practitioners can look forward to webinars a live chat via slack or teams blog posts from our from our uh, website as well as community of practice events we are also looking forward to potentially working with ees on this this in future in, in some of our initiatives and we look forward to engaging with you more on that fantastic so excitement energy your news of tech and monitoring and evaluation and a lot of different initiatives to be expected benita uh, the case for data enthusiasts and the new tech-enabled community of practice is clear. Uh, but do you have any practical suggestions for evaluators wanting to embark uh, in incorporating storytelling in, in their methodology? Look, I'm learning together with everybody. Uh, I don't definitely don't have the answers. And I think that that's why spaces created by Samia is so important, right? Where we create a space for a community of practice, for a conversation, not just a once-off um, initiative, but something over time where people get to know each other. So I'm very excited about that. Um, so three areas of inquiry that I found useful in trying to improve my story analysis and storytelling more like craft I think the first one is to learn about collecting data stories from multiple sources through various techniques. So what are those techniques? I'll give you some examples just now. The second one is explore tech-enabled analysis techniques, analysis techniques, right? So I think most of us you know, are somewhat familiar with uh, analysis techniques, but recently so many opportunities have been opened up. Um, we should, the other area in which I've been trying to expand my thinking is exploring ways to collaborate with the users 
of the evaluations to make sense of the data, right? So that's three areas. So um, if I can expand a little bit on that, uh, the sources that I've used to solicit stories and micro narratives include WhatsApp chats, Twitter, voice notes, online meeting recordings. These are things that are often out there. It's like low hanging fruit of data that you can just collect and um, start doing something with it, right? You can pull off data from, from Twitter and do a good sentiment analysis and based on a lot of people's inputs, not always, <laughs> you, you have to also interpret that in, in context, but you can quite quickly get a sense of what is the conversation about something. WhatsApp chats. I've analyzed uh, a team's WhatsApp chats, a team that was responsible for implementing an ICT initiative in schools. I drew off the data, obviously, with consent from the group, and I analyzed it. Uh, and it's fabulous to see how, over time, the group cohesion developed and how the kind of queries that they had changed. Um, so in terms of data collection techniques and tools that can be used with both low-tech and high-tech uh, story sources, uh, most significant change technique, right? It doesn't require uh, high-tech. Of uh, the, the most significant change technique is actually something that Rick Davis and Jess Dart introduced me to. Um, appreciative inquiry, that's a different way of trying to uh, get to uh, the issue of stories. Um, I think appreciative inquiry is obviously a bigger field than just an evaluation, but I think Halle Preskill and Tessa Katsambas has a lovely book about that, where they translated this issue of appreciative inquiry for evaluators. And then, uh, as I mentioned it a little bit earlier, um, but my team developed an impact story tool so um, to help with verification of stories. So we collect stories and then we verify the stories. There's a specific methodology about how you um, go about that. We'll drop the links in the, in the notes. Um, qualitative analysis techniques. Um, Sentiment analysis. Oh my goodness! Isn't that hasn't that opened up a lot of uh, possibilities for us? Uh, I use cloud natural language APIs. There's stuff like topic modeling for for short texts, which I think is actually amazing. Now, um, I'm interested in learning more about how we can use AI language models to understand large narrative data sets. But I'm not a programmer, right? So I hope to make some data scientist friends in this community of practice to help my further explorations. I think we have to recognize that we can't do everything. Um, and then to the last area of inquiry uh, about exploring ways with um, to collaborate with the users of the data to evaluations to make sense of the data. Um, we sometimes hold these like online data parties um, to get our partners and implementers involved in the idea of interpretation. So it's an interpretation process. It's, it's a lovely idea that we picked up from Kylie Hutchinson in Canada. Um, often we use Jamboards and mind maps and word clouds and Mentimeter and online polls and you know a whole range of other tools to capture our conversation and to enrich our analysis. I think another tool that has been around for a while, but that I know evaluators like Irene Geit and others in the EES have tried is uh, SenseMaker by the Cinefin company. So, you know, I think those are very exciting areas that we can definitely explore a little bit more. And um, yeah, like I said, I don't have the answers, but I'm very excited to learn with you. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Benita, for that. You've certainly I'm sure awakened our inner geek uh, in, in, in this exciting discussions. And uh, we're very much excited to be speaking with you. 
Uh, dear listeners, as we heard today, combining uh, Merle and tech offers a very unique opportunity to bring together the best of both fields. And as Benita was mentioning, we need to make more data science friends and uh, other tech friends. So we are able to not just learn from them, but also guide the way these technologies are evolving in, in processes that support both fields. And so if you're interested in engaging meaningful dialogues and gaining better theoretical and practical understanding, uh, please do check out the tech-enabled Merle community of practice by Googling them on the Samia website or looking at the Samia website, which we will post in the links below. At the EES Evaluage, we look forward to further collaborations between the Global North and South on topics like responsible data, made in Africa evaluations, and other such innovations. Many thanks to you, Asgur and Benita, for joining us today and sharing your past experience with us on data and storytelling for impact. We very much appreciate your time. Thank you for the opportunity to exchange some thoughts about working with stories. I think evaluators must explore how other disciplines approach storytelling, right? Um, the other day, I actually considered doing a course on writing movie scripts and screenplays, because wouldn't it be great if we after we've done our social research, um, that we then set out to really tell the story. We sit with the film and animation professionals, we storyboard our messaging and direct the making of pretty animations and movie clips that tell the story in a really responsible manner. Um, it sounds like something that I would like to explore, um, probably between two and three in the morning when I'm supposed to be sleeping, but still, it's a fun idea. It is. Endo for me, I'd say, Context is key of when, when, with regards to storytelling. Context then varies a lot when it comes to how things change over time. So by that I mean when you capture a story at a point in time, the world or the context around an individual might have shifted. They might have grown older. The program delivery context may have changed. Funders may have pulled out. Funders may have come in. Staff may have changed. So uh, what I'm wanting to say is that things aren't constant and fixed, and it's always important to to have that caveat when communicating impact. And I think for me, what's also important in terms of resources, I know Benita shared some earlier, but also just to check out um, the Rockefeller Foundation's sort of approach to digital storytelling for impact. Is I'll, I'll be sharing a link with regards to that, as well as SOPAC's view on uh, using data to craft uh, impact stories because I think it also further illustrates my earlier points around the combination of of data and unpacking those data points a bit more and taking a sort of individual or community uh, journey with regards to program um, delivery and experience to interpreting what that story may mean. So I'll be sure to check out those additional resources that I share and Finally, thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I look forward to engaging with all of you in future. Somehow, my details would also be shared by EES as well in terms of my LinkedIn profile. Keep well, and until next time, uh, stay safe. Oh, thank you also from uh, from my side. Thank you, Benita. Thank you, Asgar. Thank you, Valentine. And thank you to our listeners. And until next time. <laughs>